Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. Guess what? Father's Day rolling up soon, right around the corner. Mother's Day as well. Hey, the mother's on your list. I mean, my wife, she loves to hunt and fish. She loves outdoors just practically as much as I do. So, if you're looking for a Mother's Day or a Father's Day gift, hey, we've got it at GreatDaysOutdoors.com. All you have to do is head on over to GreatDaysOutdoor.com and check out the best gifts for the outdoorsman in 2021. We've curated a bunch of unique ideas to help you find an awesome gift for the outdoorsman on your list. Just head on over to GreatDaysOutdoors.com slash best gifts for outdoorsmen to check it out. Welcome to the show, guys. Glad y'all can join us today. Uh, man, the weather has got warm in Alabama, and uh, man, part of me loves it because that means it is uh, noodling season, and uh, as y'all know that listen to the show, I, I get really excited about that, and uh, we had a great day yesterday, probably caught one of the biggest ones we've ever caught on Logan Martin. It was a great trip, man. That's what my son wanted to do right before he had to go to graduation last night. So that tells you a lot about that kid, right? But uh, anyway, let's get to the fishing report because that's what we like to talk about on this show is the fishing for for segment one. Let's stay on the Logan Martin Lay Lake with Joey Ninia. Joey, Joey, what's going on, my friend? I'm doing good, man. Just actually had the day off today. Went and did a little bit of karate with my kids, which is something I've been doing with them lately. We go to karate class three times a week and then uh, just relaxing with the family today. But uh, I've been fishing a lot up to this, up to now. So it's been good. It's been interesting. Yeah. Well, what's been it's going on? Have you been fishing? Uh, have you been on the Coosa a good bit? I know you've, it seems like this spring, and I know you probably do this every spring, but you fished a lot of tournaments away, uh, but, but still been doing a lot of fishing here as well, right? Yeah, I, you know, I have been traveling quite a bit, fishing the Bassmaster Opens and just, you know, going around to different things. You know, it's always good to get home and I get normally get home for a month long chunk here and there. And I've actually been home for about two weeks now. So I've been spending a lot of time on the Coosa and I've been fishing Logan, Lay and Neely Henry. And I've actually been on Mitchell in the last few weeks, too. And I'm going to Weiss Lake tomorrow. So I've been all over the Coosa. Gosh. And the cool thing is how different it is. You know, there's a lot of similarities, but there's also a lot of differences. And so. It's definitely been a, you know, it's been kind of a challenging early summer, it seems like, you know, the spring kind of drug on a long time. So there was never like a crazy spike in temperature. So the fish have been trickling into different stages and just kind of steadily going through them and then steadily phasing out of them, but nothing abrupt, like no big giant waves have happened really until the last like week or so there has been some, sort of a big movement from the, you know, the post spawn and the shad spawn and bluegill bed type deal and the bluegill there's definitely still a bluegill pattern going on and a little bit of a shad spawn as well but it's ending uh the shad spawn for sure is so when that happens normally on the kusa you know the deep bite really picks up i've seen it every year your shad spawn will keep a ton of fish shallow and you can catch them really good early and you can still catch them throughout the day on shade and stuff like that and then after you know shallow cover but after that you know once the shad spawn starts ending you get a pretty quick early morning bite where you might be able to get some frog bites or swim jig bites or flipping bites and then you start looking offshore once they get the current running around eight to ten o'clock and get things moving you start looking for deep current points and offshore fish stacked up and different ledges and type deals like that but that's sort of how i've been approaching it lately and that's how the lakes all the coosa river lakes are really transitioning right now 
Yeah. And, and I know that, like you said, you know, like you started talking about all those lakes are so different, but they're, they're, they're similar as well. And what the fish are doing at certain times, but you know, like with Logan Martin, I know that's your, I, I would, that's your mm-hmm. home lake was what you consider. And, and you know, it yeah. just like you do all those lakes really well, but you know, what's your, what's your favorite time? Are we getting to that favorite time of the year for you on Logan Martin? You know, I honestly don't have a favorite. The, my favorite thing about Logan Martin is that I can catch fish in two feet of water and 25 feet of water on any given day. And I've been doing that, you know, almost every day I've been out in the last month, we've been able to do that. And really year round, you can do that if you capitalize on all the different, you know, there's different, they're all the same species, they're spots and largemouth, right? But they're, they all behave differently. You know, some fish are main lake fish that love living deep. Some fish live in the back of creeks just because that's what they know and they were born there. And for whatever reason, some of them tend to stay. And I mean, there's even spotted bass that I, I feel like they're a little more nomadic than the largemouth, but they're all different. And at any given time, one fish might be spawning while another fish is post-spawn and another one is out in 25 feet of water and the other one's up under a dock. It's just weird. You know, there's so many ways to catch them. And Logan Martin's a perfect example of that from shallow grass to, you know, lay downs, to brush piles, the docks, the seawall. I mean, there's just so many different ways to catch a fish. And then you got your offshore fish. Um, I have seen, you know, all the lakes have been fishing a little bit tougher than average, honestly. So like my expectations right now, even on a guide trip are not as high as they often would be. But, and I normally, this would be a little bit better time of year. You know, normally like you asked if this is my favorite time of the year to fish. And I would say I don't have a favorite, you know, they're all good and they're all different. And I, I like catching them throughout winter, spring, summer, fall, whatever. I really do enjoy it because it changes and you need change when you fish every day. You know, yeah. you need a little bit of, you <laughs> yeah. need something to, you know, I can only catch so many on a Domeki and a Willow vibe in the wintertime. So I'm like, all right, I'm ready to go fish a brush pile or flip a dock or do something different, throw a chatterbait, you know? So it's just, it's kind of tricky um, with that. And I enjoy all the different seasons, but right now expectations, like for me, I can normally still go get, 20 to 50 bites a day, 20 if it's a really tough day on the weekend or something when there's, you know, a thousand pontoon boats out there. But midweek, you know, I went out two days ago and we caught probably 15 or 20 spots in like two and a half hours. And those were all just deep schools, pulled up some and caught them and then moved on. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty fun. And that was from like noon to two thirty. So that's kind of. Oh, where wow. The middle of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when the current's running. So you know, it makes sense that they would at least be positioned where they're supposed to. And a lot of the time we get these fronts, obviously, you know, in Alabama in the afternoon where the, where the pressure changes and you get some buildup of clouds and the breeze will start picking up and you might have a pop-up thunderstorm. And those yeah. are always key bites in the summer. So you kind of got the early morning window. And then once they get positioned offshore, sit down, and then the fronts start pushing in, in the afternoon, they normally fire up pretty good. And so yeah. with the fish moving out like they are now, and, and like you said, you know, two days ago you went out and you caught some some deep water fish, mm-hmm. you know, obviously we're, you know, you're using your electronics um, to, to find these schools. Do you just, I mean, and I know it's a little different for you because you're on, on Logan, but if I, I get, and that's, your, you know, it like the back of your hand. But if you're a guy that's coming up and, and maybe you don't know it that well and, and you want to come fish that way, do you just kind of get on these points and, you know, maybe start a little shallower and then just start riding that point out looking for that school on the, especially in the day when there's current, you kind of looking on the backside of the current break or the backside of the, the ledge? That's kind of tricky. You know, every, like, just like, you know, some schools will position fish on the front of the school on the upstream side of the current flow and some schools position on the backside 
of stuff. I've never really quite understood that, but there's probably something that goes on down there with the flow and funnel that we can't feel. But it's it's kind of interesting how one group of fish will literally be stacked right where the current's busting into them, and another group of fish on a different place will be sitting on the backside point every time. So, and they do move on the schools. They're not always sitting on the same location. I think they, I think fish, now that I have pan optics, I think fish roam around a lot more than we ever thought. Like I used to picture them when I'd idle over a school that they're just sitting down there still on the drop, you know? And now I realize by looking at them on pan optics that they're constantly like moving and shifting and popping up over here and moving over here and swimming around. I mean, they, they don't sit still a whole lot unless the current's truly ripping and then they'll really get on a place and just sit. But when there's only one turbine running, they have to be roaming a little bit and floating around to feed. So mm. it's been watch that transition with pan optics. But yeah, the schools, you know, you just look for them out deep and you, the key is just having confidence in what you're seeing. And there's places to catch them all over the lake. But it's and it's not like it's as easy as it used to be, because now one thing I would like to talk about that I think is a problem with the Coosa River right now is all the white bass. So we've got just an unbelievable number of white bass, like more than Tennessee River has in most situations I've seen. Like when you find them on Logan Martin or Neely, even Neely Henry the other day, I was fishing a roadbed and I found so many white bass in like 15 to 25 feet of water that you could hardly catch a bass out of them. And there was, there'll be 10,000 or, you know, or 5,000 or a thousand striper and white bass in one spot. So they, I don't know why they keep stocking so many of them. I think it was maybe for shad population and shad control at the beginning, but now it's kind of getting to the point where they're stocking these striper and white bass and they're out competing the bass. And not that there's not enough shad to handle it, but I think when they're in those deep schools and those kind of those are sanctuary places where they can recover and rest and have good oxygen and the best feeding opportunity in the like the harsher climates like hot summer. And then you got to sit down there, compete with all that stuff. I think it, I really think it is having a toll and making the bass, you know, get beat up on a little bit more. So, yeah, because so, cause how big will those fish get? The white bass? Yeah. Yeah, white bass are one to two pounds at the most, but normally they're a pound is kind of the average size, and they're just ferocious. And they'll they'll swim in packs of, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not now, thousands. So, And you'll get on one point, it'll be mostly striper. And if you weed through them enough, you'll catch bass underneath them, but they just bite and bite and bite on anything shad, you know, shad related. So it's, it's kind of crazy. And it used to be five years ago, you'd idle over a school like that and there'd be 500 fish down there and 99% of them would be bass. I swear. Jeez. <laughs> do they stock the white bass? Yes, they do. They've stocked hundreds of thousands of pounds of white bass in all the Coosa river lakes. And I'm like, please stop. I'm starting to think like I need to call somebody and tell them to please stop. All right, now, nobody's I, out- I, you know, I understand stocking, whether it's the blue herring, you know, or, or shad or bait fish, or I even I understand stocking the striped bass just for an addition, you know, especially the yeah. you know, additional thing to fish for. I mean, they're fun and they get big. And but, but what's the bass, purpose for, for the white bass? It's got to be shad population or something. But they, I mean, they are fun for kids. But like you know, even my kids fish a lot. But any kid, they, they can really get a kid hooked on fishing. But at some point, it's just, you know, it's very repetitive. They're super sharp. They've got spines all over them and sharp things all over their gill plates, and they never quit flopping. I mean, they're kind of wild little fish. So I will say that they're fun, and they have a place. You know, I'll pull up if I'm bored and catch a few white bass. But there's just too dang many of them is the honest fact when they're kind of taking over biomasses like that. Do they spawn, or are they like a stripe where you have to stock them every year? I think you have to stock them every year i'm not so sure some fish don't spawn on the like striper don't spawn on the coosa like coming down chocolaca creek when the flow is really good right. for several weeks in a row. 
row or or when they're running current nonstop for months and months in a row. I'm not so sure they don't successfully spawn, but because if they don't, they stock a heck of a lot of them. It's pretty incredible the amount of resources they're putting in if they don't stock them because they're everywhere. Like I was in a school of a thousand true saltwater and hybrid stripe that were all like three to 10 pounds yesterday. So <sighs> it's that literally there. So it's pretty, it's pretty wild, which is fun at, for, you know, for a while, but I am a bass fisherman at heart. So <laughs> right. Get, exactly. Let's don't lose sight of what we're doing, <laughs> what you're fishing for. Right. <laughs> a bass mixed in it's still fun but it definitely makes it a little bit tougher when they're grouped up like that together so it's interesting definitely something to keep an eye on so i'm glad glad i got to share it with everybody yeah i'm glad you did too because i i was not uh i have not heard anybody else report on that and uh so that is that's good to know yep uh and and especially you know i could take you to a mean white bass hole there were a hundred of them. So yeah, hey, I, might, I might have to get you to do that. Maybe where I need to take my little girl, she'd enjoy that for sure. Uh, yeah. Well, so right now you, you know, you're, you, you come to the Coosa, the Talapusa, any of those chains. I mean, kind of what, what are you throwing? What kind of depth are you looking for? I know that changes, but kind of give us maybe just real quick run through of, of lure selection does color seem to matter? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So early in the morning, you know, a swim jig is good if you're fishing grass or a frog, a hollow body frog, something you can twitch and pop. And uh, that's for fishing shallow grass beds. And there is a little bit of a, you know, there's always an opportunity when the water's up in the grass to catch one early in the grass. And so you can do that on any of the Coosa River lakes early. And then, uh, you know, there are a few spots still up shallow on seawalls and shallow gravel points, just shallow flat places. And a spook might work for those or a chatterbait or anything of that nature. But then truly your best window to catch fish is going to be that offshore bite when you can go out and fish offshore brush piles with Ned rigs, drop shots, finesse jigs. Those are kind of three of my go-tos. Um, I mean, you can throw a big worm out there or a football jig and get some bites, but that between the Ned rig, the drop shot and the finesse jig, I can get a lot of fish to eat out there for my slower moving brush pile techniques. And, you know, if I was going to flip a dock or do that kind of deal, and I will throw those baits offshore in schools a lot too. Um, but honestly, my best fish catcher for just like putting in someone's hand, catching fish, and I've been using it a lot too, has been the Ned Miki, just a little jig head with a minnow bait on it. And I've been, I throw the Z-Man finesse size jig head with the uh, Z-Man Streaks 375 plastic, and I'm tight lining it through the schools and hopping it around them and vertical fishing it and doing all that. And they, they will bite that normally. And you catch a lot of white bass and stripe on it too, but bass eat it as well. So that's been one of the other main tools. And then you can throw, you know, an underspin, like a half ounce underspin or a swim bait through the schools and get them to bite occasionally or a deep dive in like a six cents cloud nine C15 crankbait or something like that. But those are kind of, I, obviously I just rolled through a ton of options, but that's how I keep the deck of my boat in the summertime. I might have 12 rods out and that's just so I can be very versatile. And I, yeah, I fished a Neely Henry a couple of days ago, caught 12 pounds, but I literally caught fish from the ramp in Gadsden all the way to the dam and back up in the back of different creeks, like everywhere, you know, I just went fishing and fished every pattern possible. And that's how you have a successful day when the fishing's a little tough. Heck yeah. Now, just real quick for, for people on a, that, that may not be familiar with it. Can you walk through a netty rig really quick? Yeah. So there's a couple of different types of Ned rigs. Um, the normal Ned rig is a, I throw the Z-Man, Ned locks jig head and I throw a one six ounce and it's just a small kind of mushroom shaped jig head. And then the plastic you put on it is the Elastec TRD, the finesse TRD. 
and it's buoyant. So it's going to float, you know, tail up off the bottom. And I actually rig mine like a little shaky head. So I rig it Texas Ned style. I call it like, like, just like you would a shaky head on that Ned locks jig head and bury it weedless, just right in the middle of the plastic. So it's nice and straight. And if you guys go to my Instagram, it's Joey fishing and I've got a bunch of, you know, a bunch of fish catches on it and I can make a post about it later. Um, you know, so you can go see it, but the Ned, that Texas Ned is really good with the finesse TRD. Um, or I'll throw the TRD bugs, which is another Z-Man bait that looks like a craw. So, and that one works really good. And then the Ned Miki that I talked about is that finesse sized jig head. And this is instead of imitating, you know, a crawfish or a bait fish hopping on the bottom, this one's meant to be fished more just off the bottom and above the fish like a shad would be. And that's the Z-Man finesse size with the, it's the uh, 316th ounce with a one-aught hook. And I throw the Z-Man Streaks 375 plastic. And they've got a bunch of different good color matches from smelt to shiner to smoky shad. All those are really good. So, and I throw those on a spinning rod with 10 pound braid, both of those Nedrick setups. And that's good so, stuff. Thank you for that. that. Some good detail yeah. and lets people kind of envision uh, what, yeah. what you're doing out there. So, so thank you for that, man. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's a good time of the year to be fishing. I mean, you're catching fish and I'm always good with the challenge. <laughs> that's right. Good. That's, that's right. Good good stuff man before i let you get out of here you know i gotta get a tip of the week from you tip of the week be versatile like i talked about already is just be versatile just enjoy fishing don't get stressed out when you're out on the water i used to get stressed out in tournaments and get spun out and get frustrated and you know i'd leave, i'd be done with a day of tournament fishing and i might have not caught that much or just didn't make good decisions and it's because mentally i wasn't strong so make sure you're mentally strong and uh, then just go out and try to enjoy the day and have fun and don't you know, don't allow yourself to fail mentally because, you know, not catching fish is part of the deal. But if you keep working hard and keep rolling through different patterns and get a feel for what's going on, you'll run into fish. So and that's definitely gratifying. So stay positive for sure. Absolutely, man. Well, thank you so much for that. And before I let you get out of here also, how can people get in touch with you? They want to book a trip with you, reach out. How do they need to contact you to, to do that? So my website is uh, joeyfishing.com. And uh, you guys can check out my website and I've got all my rates and different, you know, information on different lakes I guide on. And then you can send me a direct email through my website, through the contact that comes right to me. And then also on, uh, you know, Instagram and Facebook is Joey Fishing. And you guys can follow me on there and keep up with everything. And you can send me a personal message, like a direct message anytime if you got any fishing questions. And so I'd be happy to help. And maybe Man, we'll set up a guide to so. that's awesome well guys y'all give joey a call he is phenomenal i think you can tell by uh by his segment on this podcast that he knows what he's doing and he catches fish and uh he's it'll be a lot of fun to book a trip with him and and learn from learn from a master because this guy's one of those so hey joey we appreciate it man uh thank you so much yeah. always love having you on here and look forward to talking to you again soon awesome thanks be safe out there see you guys See you. Bye. What a great segment, man. Love Joey being on here. And, uh, Hey, like I said, give him a call. The guy catches fish. Be great to be in the boat with. I'm planning on going with him myself very soon. All right, guys, that wraps up another great segment. Y'all take a minute to check out some fishing tournaments coming up near you for Alabama freshwater anglers. You'll want to check out these awesome tournaments. Crank for Bank is a bass fishing event held on Lake Martin through July the 4th. 200 tag bass have been released throughout Lake Martin with a tag. Anglers have a chance of winning a boat, a truck, and even $1 million. 
the Big Bass Zone Junior Championships. That's a goal to offset the stagnant and cost-prohibited norm in bass fishing tournaments and start something fresh, new, and innovative. The new tournament format has been established to focus on the growth of kids and young adults and motivate them towards enjoyment in outdoor activities and becoming a bass pro. Anglers from the age of 13 to 19 can fish from January 1st to August 15th, anytime, anywhere. Catch your best five fish limit and the largest stringer at the end of the season from each state wins a spot at the BBZ JC World Finals in Branson, Missouri, October 29th, 30th, and 31st. For over 300000 in prizes, KBF. More tournament info and full details can be found online at app.fishingchaos.com. All right, guys, let's go to our second segment of the day, and let's go down to the Eufaula West Point report uh, to Lake Eufaula with my man, Tony Adams. Tony, what's going on, my friend? Man, just trying to catch some fish and make, you know, like to see those bent rods and those smiling faces, you know what I'm saying? Well, you, you you send me pictures quite often, and and uh, I'm gonna be honest. I, I know you're smiling when you're catching them, but it hurts me because I can't catch fish like that. <laughs> it's unbelievable, and you do it all the time. Man, those are those are some incredible stringers of crappie you've been catching lately. Not just the 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 numbers, but the size of those things too. So. Tell me about it, man. What are the fish doing right now? How, how are you catching them? Well, right now, you know, they've already came off the spawn. So a lot of them started moving back out, you know, to the deeper water. Lately, what I've been doing is catching most of the ones in the mornings and, you know, 8 to 12 foot of water. And then late in the afternoons, I'll go a little deeper. You know, I'll, you know, as it's, the sun starts coming up and those crappy starts getting in those shade piles and those, that structure, you know, then I'll I'll go down to about 15 to 18 foot, 20 foot, and I'll fish that, you know, minnow or jig just a little bit off the bottom, you know, from 12 foot to the bottom is usually where they're at on these sunny, bright days, these hot days. You know, like I say, you can, can do it either way. I mean, you can drop a minnow down there and, or you can drop a jig down there and twitch it around and, I mean, they can't stand it. I mean, they're, you know, they're just like, like humans. They're, you know, they're hungry too, you know. That's right. They got to eat. Well, you know, so, so I was literally 30 minutes before we started recording today. I, I, I was on the phone with my dad and he is a, a very good crappie fisherman, but he also is, is kind of old school. I asked him if he's been crappie fishing lately and he's like, well, you know, I am crappie. I, I done moved out and you know they throw biting ain't crappie ain't biting so i've gone to trying to catch catfish i think a lot of people have that mindset tony i think that when some when the spring is gone the water temperature gets warm and those fish aren't in five six seven foot of water anymore and they move out people quit because they just they i don't know if they just it's like my dad well they just not biting well no that ain't true they are biting somewhere. They're feeding. It's just a matter of finding them. Just you know, like I say, just going out there finding the brush piles. You know, finding the fish on it. And I mean, they're biting. I mean, they're just like anything else. They're gonna eat. They're gonna eat year round. Years ago, you know, I remember fishing. You know, the only time the crappie would bite would be either at night. 
you know, with the lights or even the phone. You know, everybody assumed that, you know, the crap you didn't eat during the summertime, you know, the most time they eat was, and that's, a lot of people didn't fish for them other than those two, three months, you know, two right. to three months, and that was it. But there's tons of crappy out there to be caught. You know, there's a lot of summertime fishing that's going on, a lot of a lot of crappy in those brush piles, and, you know, they're loaded. Yeah, and so, I, I mean, obviously, you put a lot of work into this, first off. You create a lot of structure in that deeper water. We've talked about that on some of our past podcasts, but you know, when you're creating structure out there, I mean, you're creating habitat that, that you can mark, that you can come back to, you can get on your electronics, you can look at, got to make, I mean, that is that a game changer doing that for you? You know, it is for me because, you know, you know, I've got spots that I've made up myself, but, you know, even on some of the natural stuff, the natural timber or the natural stumps or, you know, the natural ledges that's got, you know, brush that's hanging off of it, there's still still tons of, you know, fish on those. Now, you know, a lot of times I build my own structure up because I think I've got a little window of opportunity, you know, of having a spot maybe everybody else ain't got. But with the new electronics out now, I mean, it's not long before, you know, somebody's got got those same coordinates and you know either they're bass fishing on it most people you know that's usually who finds it the first is bass fishermen but but yeah there's a lot of natural stuff on those wedges and in those flats and you know in that 15 to 20 foot of water that's you know that's holding crappy how much cover do you need to hold crappie i mean like a bass fisherman he'll look for a stump you know he'll find a stump and there'll be there'll be a fish on it and it's same way with crappy. You, know, you pull up, you may see one stump there, and it may have 20 or 30 crappy sitting right there around the stump. You know, just, I mean, it's just one little stump on a ledge, you know, just just loaded. And then, you know, sometimes your br- bigger brush piles, I mean, they they hold probably more fish because it is a larger brush pile. But, you know, those little ones, those little stumps or those little, you know, treetops that's blown over, sometimes, you know, they may have 100 crappy on it. And it's just natural, just stuff that's, you know, been in the lake for, for many, many, many years. Yeah. And, and one thing that I, I, I have found interesting in, in getting to know you and talking to you on here is how the light affects the way you fish those brush tops. Talk to us about yes, that. You know, like, yes, sir. You know, the crappy, you know, they don't like that sunlight. So they're going to be usually in the in the shade side of whatever you're fishing. So if you're fishing a brush pile, you know, they're going to be in the shade side of that brush pile. If you're fishing a hump or ledge, they're going to be on the on the shade side of that ledge or that brush pile or that, that drop-off or that ledge. Or And then, you know, same way under the bridges. During the summertime, you catch a lot of fish up under the bridge. But, you know, there's so many people that will try to fish all parts of the bridge but if you really want to catch those crappy you need to go to the shade side of that that bridge wherever the shades you know where the bridge is show throwing right. the shadow you know into the water that's where your crappy's gonna be and, and on sunny days you don't always fish you know in my mind when i'm fishing a brush tile brush pile i'm fishing basically on top of that brush pile that's not always the case from what I understand that, you know, a lot of times you'll, depending on the weather and the sun, you'll fish a good distance away from that brush tile pile, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, if it's overcast, you know, they could be 20, 30 feet, you know, 
20 to 30 yards away from that brush pile if it's overcast because it's shady. You know, if the sun starts coming out, coming up, you know, you can fish usually on the shade side of the brush pile and catch still a lot of fish. And as the sun starts coming up and it starts getting, you know, from 11 o'clock to 2 o'clock, those fish is pretty much going to be right in that structure. I mean, they're going to be holding tight, you know, because that's the least place there is for the least amount of sun in that structure is right in the center of it. Right. Man, that's good stuff. Well, let's let's talk about baits a little bit. You, you know, what are you fishing with right now? Do you do you change? I guess a good question. Do you change baits as you change depths? No, I, not as far as baits or colors. You know, you know, I, what I usually use is, you know, the rule of thumbs always kind of being, you know, the darker the color of the water, you know, if it's muddy or dark, then you go to a darker color jig. The lighter color, you go to your lighter, lighter color jigs. I've always kind of used that as kind of the rule of thumb. Now, the only thing I may do is I may change out the jig head colors. You know, I may go from a red to orange or green or whatever. I'm, I reckon my far most favorites would be your oranges, you know, like the orange and the pinks and the reds. I like those bright colors. Even if I'm fishing with a dark bait or a light bait, you know, I may change the color of the jig just a little bit. You know, it may be still the clear family, but it may have a little blue sparkles or a little purple sparkles. But, you know, like I say, it, it's still in the same family as far as, you know, dark or darker light colors based right. on, the, on the color of the water. I got you. What about, I, I know you mainly a jig guy, but do you fool with shiners very often? No, you know, shiners, they're hard to find down here. You know, most everybody's got, you know, just regular minnows, you know, and, and jigs is about all you can find here on Lake Eufaula unless you, you know, you bring them in from a different location. So I've never fished with any shiners, no, sir. Oh, and, and, and maybe minnows is what I meant to say. <laughs> yeah. 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 More minnows. Yeah, the minnows, yeah, minnows is really good. You know, that minnow, you know, like the biggest thing I do is when I go out on that lake, I take me a bottle of Gatorade. You know, maybe I drink, a, you know, drink the Gatorade. I fill it up with water and I put it in the freezer and I let it freeze, <clears throat> you know, with the water inside the Gatorade bottle. So when I get ready to go, you know, I always take that bottle of frozen Gatorade, you know, with the water on the inside, and I sit down in my minnows. So that keeps the minnows cool, you know, with aerator running on them so that I get more life out of those minnows, you know, because the water's going to stay a little cooler since I'm putting a frozen bottle of water or, Gator, you know, Gatorade, whatever you want to put. I don't try to put any any ice in them because, you know, a lot of the water that, you know, ice is made out of has got chlorine, you know, all kinds of stuff in it. So, so I, I try to keep it really basic so that I'm not putting any chemi- chemicals in that water with those minnows so, you know, I can get a longer life out of them. Yeah. Is there a certain time that uh, or situation where you would choose a minnow over a jig? No, sir, not really. I mean, if I go out there, you know, I'm going to have jigs and I'm going to have minnows because there has been times you get out there and you can't, you know, they just – they want the minnows, and there's been times, you know, it's hard to hard to give up, you know, a real live minnow for anything because they pretty much going to hit that minnow. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, right. a, that's a natural bait for them. You know, so if it's a slower bite, you know, that minnow is going 
to me, has always created a, a faster bite, being a real live minnow down there, you know, twitching, sitting there, you know, moving. Even though you can still do the same thing with a, with a jig, but, you know, it's hard to give up that live bait on a trip, you know, not knowing if they're going to really hit minnows that day or not, or hit, yeah. you know, the Jeez. jigs that day, because they're going to usually hit that minnow. Let's say you're fishing 18, you know, 15, 18 feet and you're fishing with a minnow, you know, talk to me a little bit about how you rig that up. Are you, is it spin rod? Are you putting a weight a certain distance above the minnow? You hook him through the mouth or through under the back of the fin? How do you rig yours out? Okay. Usually what I do is that, you know, I've got the B&M rods, you know, and I usually use the 10, 12 foot rods. And then I use the high-vis line, you know, usually the six-pound high-vis. And as I come down that line, I will put a split shot. And usually, based on the wind, it's the size split shot you really need to use because you don't want that line to, you know, stay down and not blow all sideways. So the, the lead size could matter based on the wind. And then I use like a number four, you know, hook. I use the gold ones, but... And then, you know, what I like to do is I like to hook, you know, the crappy through the bottom lip out the top lip. To me, that seems like, you know, I get the most action and most life out of that minnow. I have seen people hook them through the tail and, the, you know, the fins and, you know, any way right. you can think of, I've seen people do it. But I like to go through the bottom lip out the top lip and I drop it down, you know, so if those fish are showing, you know, if they're showing 15 foot, you know, I may drop one, you know, 12, 114, and 116, and then after I figure out exactly where where's their really their strike zone, because you know a lot of the times crappy will come up and hit that you know that minute you know maybe two foot above where where they're really at, um, and that's you know kind of the strike zone that they're they're using. But I always also like to put one a little below them because usually those crappiers you know stacked in there. I mean you know up and down you know the stump or whatever so usually all up and down you know so you ain't got to have it this time of year you ain't got to have it right in front of his nose to hit it he will come he'll come out of that brush pile and get it that's good stuff tony well man um that's a lot of good information today and 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 i appreciate it and uh, i know our, our our listeners do you know before uh before i let you go uh i've definitely got to get a tip of the day from you uh, my tip of the day would be make sure you, you know, this time of the year, minute fishing before you got on, on the lake, you know, make sure you freeze a bottle of water or a couple bottles of water so that when you get out there on the lake, you know, you can keep those minutes cool. It sure makes them a whole lot, just give them so much more life because, you know, these 90, 100 degree days, you know, even with the aerator in that minute bucket, it's pretty hot. That's a great tip, man, and that's one that uh, that <laughs> that let people stay on the lake a little bit longer, and that's always a positive thing. So, um, I appreciate that. How do people need to contact you to book a trip? I know you stay booked up; it's not easy, but there's a reason yes, you stay booked up, and it's because you catch <laughs> fish, and yeah. and people want to go with you. So, if people want to get on that list, how they need to contact you, Tony. They can go to my Facebook page, it's Tony Adams, or you can go to Gone Fishing with Tony. My cell number is 334-695-3003. 
Man, that's awesome. Guys, reach out to Tony. Go get in a boat with him. You're going to learn a lot. And if you saw these pictures uh, that I'm looking at right now, you would feel very confident that you're going to have one of the best days on the lake fishing for crappie that you've ever had. So give Tony a call. Tony, we appreciate it, man. Always a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for being so open to share your secrets and what you do. And I uh, look forward to talking to you again soon, brother. Okay. Sounds good, brother. Y'all have a good one. All right. Take care. All right. All right. Thanks. All right, guys, that's going to wrap up another really, really good segment. So I, y'all take a few minutes and check out some of the businesses that keep this show free. BNM Pole Company is the leading manufacturer of crappie poles in the world today. Their product line has evolved to include top quality gear for anglers who fish for more than panfish, including their Sam Super Salt Series designed for shallow water fishing for trout and redfish. These rods will deliver everything you need to catch these inshore fish at a great price. The genuine Portuguese cork handle feels great in your hand, and the exposed blank touch system will add unbelievable sensitivity. Stainless guys are durable and flow smoothly check out their whole lineup at bnmpoles.com man another great segment from tony like i said guys it's it's a pleasure having him on here and and, and y'all reach out and give him a call you'll learn a lot and you'll catch more crop than you probably ever caught the guy is unbelievable uh with his crappie fishing so let's go down to our third report tennessee river report Gunnerville, Smith Lake, all those great lakes up in North Alabama. And let's talk with Captain Brent Crow. Captain, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Summertime's finally here. Yeah, it took a while, but it finally got here. Uh, I tell you what, I'm just, you know, 90 degrees doesn't bother me, but the most the thing that I'm looking forward to the most is just some stability where it's, if it's 90 every day from now on, that's fine. And if it don't rain, that's fine too, because we had so many floods and cold fronts and there was just no stability all spring, but now it looks like we're going to finally get to summertime. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, well, you know, I was looking at the weather forecast. I, I think we're finally about to get some more rain we hadn't had any in a while man it, at least here in the birmingham area um, we've been without for a minute and it uh, looks like we're gonna get some rain and then it looks like it's gonna cool back off a little bit again this weekend so uh there'll be more changing it's you know we'll get another little cool snap or two maybe but uh how's it affecting the fishing up on the tennessee river and smith lake well the lack of rain is hurt there's no doubt you know normally End of May, fish are on the ledges good at Pickwick, Gunnersville, and I, I don't ever remember this little of current that we've had in the last week or so. I mean, 12,000 CFS, which, you know, the Coosa River, that's pretty decent, but the Tennessee River is horrible, and it really hurts the ledge fishing. I've, I've basically, the last couple of three weeks, I've been on Gunnersville a lot in Smith, and, you know, it's, it's still three weeks ago, or actually – I think it's, it's either two or three Saturdays ago, I was catching fish on a wacky worm that were spawning. And, I mean, it was, my daughter caught a, a six-and-a-half-pounder, two foot of water wacky on a wacky uh, general. So, you know, that was very late for, for spawners. And, uh, you know, from, from what I've seen, I haven't seen many schools offshore on Gunnersville at Smith Lake. Normally by now it's topwater heaven. 
all the fish are out chasing herring and stuff and it's just starting to happen we're catching some top water fish this week but again way behind and it's all because of of the uh i think the you know the high water we had and then the and it stayed cold for a long time i mean it wasn't a couple of weeks ago the water was 68 degrees it's warmed up now i saw 81 today on SME. i say i think even 83 so you know it's it's just taking a while to get to where we're supposed to be but i think june's gonna be a great month yeah i think you're right i think june will 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 give us a little more stability at least and and not so much back and forth and maybe these fish can get on a steady pattern yeah, and you know, if it rains a little bit, if you're if you're going to ledge fish, you do need some current, and so I wouldn't mind a little bit of rain. But you know, rain in the summertime is a different rain in the springtime. You don't get those those floods where the lake comes up 15 feet or whatever. But uh, you know, I love summertime ledge fishing on Pickwick and Gunnersville. I'm really looking forward to that, and and also like you know, I think my favorite way to fish in this time of year is, is at Smith with the top water, and normally. On a normal year, it starts ending around the first week of June, and now I think it's going to repeat what it did last year, which is which is going to be a good bite throughout the month of June. So it's going to be hot, but fish are going to be biting. I'm pretty sure the rest of the, or in June it's May. Well, let's talk about that real quick. Let's start right there since we're on it, and and you know when you're talking about a topwater bite on Smith, that ain't a topwater bite like most people think of i mean when i think of top bottom top water i'm thinking of you know fishing fairly shallow five to ten feet you know running a buzz bait along grass beds or a frog that ain't what you're talking about no not at all now we're talking about open water i mean the boat may the boat may be sitting in 100 feet the fish may be suspended in 40 feet or 80 feet or sometimes even more it's just uh, completely depending on, on where the shad and the herring are. But the one thing they are doing, they're eating. And, you know, they're, when they get through spawning, they're, they're going to feed up. And until it gets super hot in July, you can find them suspended most of, most of the time on Smith. And, you know, yeah, I throw, you know, you can throw a lot of different topwaters. I like Berkeley King Walker. And, and the one thing about Smith, if you think about spotted bass, everybody thinks, oh, you got to throw finesse stuff, you know, a little worm, a little jig, whatever. But at Smith, and, and most places, Lanier's the same way. The bigger the top water, the better. And, and you know, I'm not going to throw an 11 inch worm at Smith, but I'm going to throw a, 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 you know, something like a Super Spook Junior or a, or a 110 Cane Walker. Or, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Now, there, there are days when, uh, when it's super slick and sunny that they're not going to eat it as good as it would a regular size. But for the most part, I'm throwing big stuff, looking for big spots. Of course, you're going to catch an occasional striper as well. First of all, you, you want to fish. You a, a good day is when there's just a little bit of breeze, not not crazy, windy, and choppy on the water. But, but you got some movement on top water. You got a little shade. Those are days that you like to fish the top water at Smith. But so you're you're using your electronics you're finding a school of fish right. and this school of fish is 40 foot of water they're they're going to be you know they're not going to be on the bottom the deepest that i've that you nor, normally the ones you're going to catch are going to be suspended 10 to 15 feet deep sometimes i've i you know i use the garmin live scope to find them i don't ever idle like you would on a ledge to find fish on a on a shell bed or something. I don't ever want to idle across the fish I'm going to fish for. And it's usually, you know, I'm fishing points or 
or channel swings or just sometimes there's just places where there's there's absolutely no reason for the fish to be there they're just there i think you know they suspend over timber sometimes and so you know I'm, I, I find them with live scope and i try to stay away from them and for the most part you can see them fairly clearly 60 or 80 feet away which is you know a halfway decent cast so i try to stay as far away from them as, as i can and actually you know it's 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 strange at smith i always used to want sun and wind the, you know the combination and it didn't matter how hard the wind blew i just wanted it to be sunny and windy i think it you know my theory was when it was sunny they could see the bait from a distance but it was windy when they got up there to it they couldn't tell it was fake and the opposite was 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 cloudy and 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 calm where they didn't see it as good, but it's it, the last two or three years. It's, it's actually the fish bite better on cloudy days, and I have no idea why. But a little cloudy with a little bit of wind seems to be the best the best scenario now. But I mean, on a good day, I know it sounds unbelievable, and you're not going to catch this many. But on a good day, when the fish are really out feeding and all, you're going to get over a hundred blowups on top. Now you may not catch oh, the fish, but it, and it's something that you can do like today. I started at five thirty and I quit at one thirty. I never threw up anything but a top water. So, you know, that's to me. There's nothing better than throwing top water all day long. There's not many places you can do that and have consistent action. And Smith is, you know, we're I'm lucky to have Smith here in the backyard. And and you know, like today, honestly, I saw like two fishing boats and several you know, pontoons and and skiers and jet skis, but nobody out there fishing. I had the whole lake to myself. That's unbelievable. So, on the live scope, uh, I know that's such a great tool that people are using now. How deep can you see? I know that you, when I think of live scope, I think of, and I've never fished with it, but I think of looking out in front of you or where, or to the side, wherever you're wanting to look, and being able to see a column of water. And if there's fish in it, I mean, you're seeing live what that fish, what those fish are doing. How deep on on a, on a lake like Smith does it still work just as good? I think it's actually better on deeper lakes than it is flat lakes because you get if you you have to have the ratio from the depth and the and the forward. I, or there's 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 a ratio that you want, and if you, for instance. If you're in ten feet of water, you you can't look out a hundred feet uh, because you know you're looking at ten to one a uh, ratio of about ten to one. It's just not effective. But if you're in forty feet of water or a hundred feet of water, you can see out a hundred feet because you know if you imagine from the trolling motor, the the live scope's like a flashlight beam as it gets. Actually, it's 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 a, it's a big flashlight beam, but it, it actually expands as it goes goes out and down so you know i can see straight down under the boat 40 feet i can see out 100 feet away i can see 40 feet deep there too so you know you, you live scope's got so many uses i know a lot of crappie guys that will put it where they're only looking like 30 or 40 feet out and they've got the screen really condensed so they see their you know they pull up to a tree or a bush pile or whatever and they can see the crappie see their jig and, and watch it go down and they're not trying to you know they're not using it the way i do i use it to find fish they use it to to, to catch fish where they can put their jig right in front of the, of the crappies 
faith right. or whatever. I'm just looking. What I want to do is is stay away from the, if, if if I think the fish are on the point, then I want to stay a hundred feet away and ease up. And, and and as I'm as I'm approaching, I'm looking back and forth, trying to f- figure out exactly where the school of fish is. And so, you know, I've done it for so long. I think I've had either live scope or panoptics for six years now. And it's meant to me, whenever I see fish, I can tell pretty much if they're going to bite or not, just depending on how grouped up they are, how deep they are. And, of course, you can also watch them live. I mean, if you're you're there on a day that the wind's not blowing, you can point it at them and just watch them swim around. Today, I watched a school of shad get eaten by fish. I mean, you can see the fish. Wow. Go into the school of shad. The shad scatter. The fish go through them. I mean, it's it's an awesome thing to watch. And you know, there's there's a lot of days where I can throw my my uh, bait over the fish, and then I watch when I get to the where they are. Say if they're sixty feet away, I throw the bait eighty. As I walk up to the fish, I watch the fish take off toward the top, and I know they're fixing to bite it. So, you know, it's it's almost like a video game. I mean, it's, it's pretty awesome. The deepest I've ever seen a fish come up and hit a topwater was last fall. There was one. I didn't see the fish. Actually, there was a fish about 50 feet away that I threw at, and I threw my, I had made a cast. I think I actually had cast before I saw the fish, but I, it just so happened the fish swam in the line of my cast, but my bait was way out. And so I reeled it real fast to get to the fish, and another one came off the bottom in 30 feet and ate it. I mean, it was, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. But, you, you know, LiveScope's so good for learning about fish, and you can tell their moods and just their behavior. You watch, you know, it's frustrating sometimes because you see them, they swim up to your bait, and you're waiting for them to bite it, and they stop, and they follow it back to the boat. That just blows <laughs> my mind that a fish would come <laughs> from 30 feet deep. I know. Because that's you know, because one thing we talk about on here with we we have a management minute on here with Norman that owns Southeastern Pond Management, and and one of the things we talk about is is a bass's natural instinct is to get the largest amount of calories for the least amount of effort, and that's what makes them grow big. Uh, and, and 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 there again, it's we're you know it's different in a farm pond than it is a lake. But it's amazing to me that a fish would come up from that deep because that's a lot of energy for that fish to come up. And maybe it's not. I don't know. And that's what the cool well, thing about that last scope is you know, we're learning so much. Right. I've learned so much about, you know, fish behavior and where they where they see it and or swim and, and all. And, you know, there are, there's been countless times where I pull up to a point and say points on my, on my left, and that's where I – you know, that's where I expect to catch the fish and the, the wind will blow or whatever, and I'll have to turn the trolling motor out into open water. I mean, the middle of the lake, and there'll be a school of fish out there. And I'm like, what are they doing over there? And throw out there and catch one that I would have never, you know, never cast over there in a million years without a live scope. But, mm-hmm. you know, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, I was going around a dock. And I, I had the live scope. You can, you know, you can see under docks. It was a sunny day, and I, if I got around dock, I looked to see if there were fish suspended under them. And, and I was basically sitting still, scanning under the dock, and I didn't see one. So I turned the trolling motor out away from the dock, and there's like a little school of fish, like six fish, just out in the middle of nowhere, away from the dock. And I grabbed the. They were about 20 feet deep, and they're right by the boat. So I just pitched a wacky worm over there and let it count down. 
and, and actually watched them. They all, as it's sinking, they all swim up to it. One gets it, three pounds spot. And, you know, there's another fish I'd never catch otherwise. Yeah. And then uh, today I had, uh, there was a, a little group of fish on the point, and they were actually on in about 16 feet on the bottom. And I could see them, and that's normally, you know, I can you can get fish to come up for hit the top water from the bottom 15, 16 foot. But they, we had been there for five or ten minutes, and I'm sitting there watching the fish just sit there. And then my client throws his bait, and all of a sudden, one just out of the group of fish, one of them takes off and eats his bait on top. And I, yeah, I'm just like, why did that one just finally? And we'd been there for five or ten minutes, you know. And all of a sudden, he decided, okay, I can't take it anymore. I got to get it. And what? <laughs> and and what made that one fish be different from the rest of them down there? It's just crazy. I mean, it That's is so cool. That is I so think, cool. You know about the. When you when you say that about the amount of calorie energy and calories, uh, there is a huge difference at Smith Lake, and I, and any lake that has herring in it. But Smith, you know, I fish it obviously more than any of the other ones that have herring. But if the fish are on a point and they're shad around, they're hard to catch. And the herring are you know the herring are so nomadic. I mean, they may be here one day and who knows where the next day. It's really hard to keep up with the herring. They and it really you can't just follow herring around they just show up on places basically but if the fish are eating herring they're just stupid and i think you know when the one came from 30 feet i, I actually was really my bait really fast like herring move and i'm and i know you know if it would have been a a three inch shad come across the top of the water he wouldn't have moved but he really it was a big bait and really and like i said moving really fast and i know he thought it was a herring and, and i've seen fish they act totally different around herring than they do shad i mean it's amazing and that, isn't that amazing? And I, and I and you just have to wonder, what is creating that? Is it just is it the way the herring move that gets them crazy acting, or is it the the way they taste? I mean, heck, man, I I I move a lot faster for some foods than I will for others. I know that. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, they said the herring, you know, they're high protein and all, but the fish, you know, they don't read magazines and they don't know that. Or I guess somehow they do, but it's not like they, you know, they, right. didn't, they didn't read it or whatever. It's yeah. just natural to them. But but what's funny is herring is not natural to Smith Lake. But, you know, I've, I've talked to striper guides that when they use live bait and, and they could have six or seven rods out with and have six on, six shad on the rods and one rod with herring. And if they get around striper, they eat the herring every time. Every single I mean, time. The striper yeah, guys we have it, on the show say the same thing. Yep. I mean, it, it's just. You know, it doesn't really make sense. I, I wish there was a way to to follow herring around, but like I said, you really just you, you just they just, they just show, show up. up. At, you know, yep. And when they show up, you know, they stay fish. They stay usually for two or three weeks, or or maybe a little bit more. And and when they're out there and the fish are eating them on points and stuff, I mean, it's phenomenal. It's just it's unbelievable how good it is compared to when like you know right now I know of. There's one little creek in Smith Lake where there's some herring on some points. The rest of the lake, the herring are who knows where. I know that, you know, a couple of weeks ago they were spawning in the backs of creeks, but some now they're somewhere between there and the main lake, and who knows where. But wherever they are, I promise you, it's where the majority of four pounds and better spots are, and the big strappers are. I mean, that's if where the herring are, are in two right. foot of water, that's where they're at. If they're in a hundred feet of water, that's the fish just follow the big fish, especially just follow herring around now. Well, and I know that it makes it difficult at times. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I I know that the herring and the lakes that the herring are in, you know, Smith Lake, Lake Martin, 
several other lakes the people that fish those lakes and have been on those lakes for years and years and years the herring has made a difference it has made the fish the bass bigger healthier the striped bass you know it's it's just improved the quality of the fishing and the fish absolutely Mm -hmm. i won a lot of tournaments at smith lake with nine pounds back in the 90s and before herring and a lot of people did you know and now if you have nine pounds you don't even think about weighing in you don't even go weigh in yeah. Uh. <laughs> right. Well, go to let's let's just bounce over to Gunnersville really quick. Uh, how are you catching them on Gunnersville right now? There's a little bit of a top water bite around the mill full. Uh, it depend. It it's not consistent. It seems like from day to day it's different. But you know there are days where where you can catch them pretty decent on a pop or a bullshad, and then there are days that you know the main. Day in, day out, just dragging a Texas rig plastic around has been the best around the eelgrass. I mean, like I said, I hadn't seen many schools out deep yet. It should be any minute, but then again, you know, the current is, is so slight that, that it's not going to be a really good ledge bite uh, until then. But the one good thing about Gunnersville this year, that I've seen more millfoil this year than I've seen in a long time. Of course, you know, we've had eelgrass just basically take over the lake. And we've had a lot of hydrilla lately, but not much millful. But this year, there's a ton of millful. I don't think – I think in the wintertime, it didn't really die uh, this year. And so now there's a, a, a ton of millful, and a lot of it's really thick and topped out and all. So I, you know, I think that's a good thing. I think millful – to me, millful is the best thing for a lake of all the grass. Yeah. If I could get rid of eelgrass and guns, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Do it in a heartbeat, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, it seems seems like to me, just from the reports that that we have and, 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 you know, it seems like Gunnerville struggled a little this year compared to normal Gunnerville years. Definitely. I mean, you know, there are still there are some decent fish in Gunnerville, but it's nothing like it was as far as big fish goes. I mean. Yeah, I think that the population is good. It's just there were there were some spawning classes. The fish that should be five to eight pounds back, you know, however old they are, that there wasn't a good spawn in the in that period. So, you know, I think the size. You look at tournament weights, and you don't see the size that you that you normally see with with gunners full. And you know, there are days when it seems like the. I don't know. It's there's so much eelgrass. I think it makes it harder to fish because they, the fish can just spread out and just be anywhere basically. You know, back in before we had eelgrass everywhere, it's in the springtime. If you could find some green millfoil, there was some fish in it. I mean, that it was that easy. But now there's just eelgrass everywhere, and it doesn't seem like the fish group up in the eelgrass as much as they did when it was just hydrilla and millfoil. But you know, it's gunners will get so much pressure it's unbelievable i was i was in waterfront grocery the other day for maybe 15 minutes to eat eat breakfast and i think more people came in waterfront it was like on a wednesday and i told the guys with us there's more people in this store in the last 15 minutes it'll be on pickwick lake today i mean (laughs) yeah it's it's uh, and and that's what and that's what i've I've had a lot of the the other guys have, have talked about is that and a lot of them have said the same thing you did. Hey, we, we probably had a bad spawn year or two in there, and, and, and we're seeing that now with with not maybe as many big fish as we're used to catching on Gunners Full. But the pressure this year, I mean, it's always got pressure, but it seems like this year is just there's tournaments just going on constantly and just a huge number of people fishing that lake. And and it's got to it's affect it. I mean, it's got to affect it. 
Yeah, if it weren't for all the grass, it would be just awful. I mean, the grass is the saving grace for Gunnersville because there's always been pressure. I mean, it's always been like this compared to all the other lakes. And if you think about it, there's more people, more fishermen within a 12-hour drive of Gunnersville than any place in the country. I mean, any you know, any popular right. big lake because, it's, I mean, you, you can come from any direction in 12 hours to be in Gunnersville, and there are millions of fishermen that – are in that radius, and and a lot of them do. I mean, if you if you go to the boat ramp, you'll see all kind, you know, tags from all over the place, from the north, from southeast all the way up north. I mean, it's just it's very accessible, and of course it's legendary, so it gets people from all over. And then, like you said, there's tournament. Every tournament organization in the in the country seems like has a tournament at Gunnersville. Every bass club in Alabama, Georgia, and Tennessee has a tournament at Gunnersville. So. You know, yeah, it it gets pressure, but and for it to still be ha- halfway decent is pretty amazing. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's phenomenal fishery, that's for sure. Well, before I let you get out of here, uh, I'm gonna ask you for a tip of the day, and and, and actually, I'm gonna do you wrong, man. I'm gonna ask you for two tips of the day because you spent a lot of time on on Smith and Gunnersville, and just so. Just some quick, brief tips. If somebody's going to come up in the next couple of days and fish these lakes, what would your tip be? I think, you know, as far as Smith, I, uh, the topwater bite is, I mean, to me, that's the most fun. And, and I think with topwater, I, I see the people that do some things that, I, you know, I'm not going to say they're wrong, but I think it helps if you have the right equipment. And I see people recommend all kind of rods for for walking baits and and yeah you know, the the proper way to walk a a, a a walking bait is with your rod down and so you don't want a seven six rod you're gonna hit the water and and you also don't want a stiff rod I use a, a six foot eight medium and or you know they, everybody thinks well that's a little rod and I can throw a, a, a pencil popper on it I mean it is it'll handle it just like anything else so having the right rod have and also i I like 15 pound mono i don't like braid you definitely don't want fluorocarbon you want to have mono because it floats and fluorocarbon sinks but and i so i I take people every day and i one thing that people i think the one of the biggest mistakes they make is setting the hook when the fish blow up don't ever feel wait until you feel the fish before you even stop walking it because a lot of times They'll miss it and then come back and get it. There may be two or three of them trying to get it one time. One misses it. If you'll just keep walking until you feel the fish and then just eat, pull into them, you'll catch a lot more fish. That's a great tip. So, and then, you know, at Gunnersville right now, I think uh, one of the one of the little deals that, that I have used a lot, everybody wants to throw, it's funny because you think of Smith Lake, Spotted Bass, you throw finesse stuff. And then you think of Gunnersville, Big fish, blah, blah, blah. You throw big stuff. But finesse worms, I use a magnum hit worm a lot over there on just a real light Texas rig, like eighth ounce or even three sixteenths if the wind's blowing a little bit. But just, you know, 12-pound line and, and just basically throw it around the eelgrass edges, the you know, mill full points or whatever, and you'll catch a lot of big fish on little worms and stuff over there going so you don't have to. I think everybody wants to go and throw 11-inch worms and all that, but you got to remember, this, with the pressure those fish get, there's a lot of fish caught on finesse stuff at Gunnersville, and I don't see many people doing it. Man, two great tips, brother. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, and, no hey, look, but, you know, last thing is is please give us – 
people the, the contact information to book a trip with you uh, and to come up to Smith and enjoy some of that top water action with you or Gunnersville or wherever they may be. What's How do people need to get in touch with you, Brent? My website is, is uh, northalabamabass.com. My phone number, 256-466-9965. Good stuff, guys. Well, thank you, man. We appreciate it. Love having you on here. Thank you for giving us your insight and your time. Stay safe out there, and we look forward to talking to you again real soon. All right. Thank you for having me. All right, buddy. Take care. Well, that's another awesome report, and it was brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. If you're fortunate enough to own a lake or a pond, then I know you want to get the most out of it as possible. We all want to manage and grow big deer on our place, so why not grow the biggest, most healthy fish possible as well? Give Norman a call at Southeastern Pond Management at 205-288-1371 or just look them up, southeasternpondmanagement.com, and these guys know what they're doing when it comes to managing ponds and lakes. So. Uh, if that's what you need, reach out to them. All right, folks, that's going to wrap up the show this week. If you are enjoying this podcast, and we sure hope you are, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. And if you'd like us to email it to you, we'll do that too each and every week. Just text the word FISHING to 314-665-1767, and we'll email you the show each and every week. Until next week, guys, stay safe on the water, enjoy fishing, talk to you then. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by SunSouth. If your to-do list requires work on the land, come see us at SunSouth. We listen to your needs so you get the right equipment and the right implements at a price you can afford. And during our spring sales event, you can save even more on quality John Deere equipment at SunSouth with 0% financing on selected models, like zero-turn mowers and compact utility tractors. For John Deere equipment sales, parts, and service, come see us at SunSouth. Equipment for those that do. Some restrictions may apply. See dealer for details. Expires May 31st, 2021. And brought to you by Photonist Defense, PD Pro Ultralight Ultra Compact Night Vision Systems. Simply the best in-class night vision system ever built. Contact us at PhotonistDefense.com to learn more. Photonist Defense, Masters of Darkness. And brought to you by Great Days Outdoors magazine. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save a bundle online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And brought to you by Bucks Island is a family-owned and operated business since 1948. At bucksislands.com, you can check out the full list of inventory from new and used bass, pontoon, bow rider style boats, new and used motors, as well as kayaks for sale. Give them a call at 256-442-2588. And brought to you by Brian Sand with National Land Realty. You already trust me with your fishing report, so trust me to help you find or sell that next piece of property as well. Just give me a call at 601-383-2344.